Hello and welcome to Women We Watch in Tourism podcast series. WWW is a platform where we provide a space for women to leverage collective wisdom, experiences and inspiration from women powerhouses in our industry to become innovative game changers. We will be engaging in insightful conversations with women who have changed the face of businesses in our industry and trailblazers who have steered innovative and creative ideas. This is a must-listen podcast for women leaders, professionals and entrepreneurs to become visible, break glass ceilings and to grow their impact. We believe that sharing these insights will be a catalyst for women in our industry to unleash their potentials and to seize the crisis as a turning point. So join our conversations by subscribing to Women We Watch in Tourism podcast. Recent research indicates that while mentorships are important for leadership success, it is sponsorships that make a difference in the career advancement of women. A Harvard Business Review also reported that women tend to be over-mentored and under-sponsored. Too few women are reaching the top of their organizations, and a big reason is that they are not getting the high-stakes assignments that are prerequisite for a shot at the C-suite. Often, this is due to a lack of powerful sponsors demanding and ensuring that they get these stepping stone opportunities. What is the difference between mentorship and sponsorship? What steps do we need to take to ensure that women have the sponsorship support that they need? This week's special guest is Aradhana Koala, who advocates for sponsorships to elevate the status and progress of women in their careers. As a mentor and sponsor, she models behavior and invests in the upward movement of fellow women. Aradhana is globally identified as an authority on the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries and has over two decades of experience across 70 of her countries and four continents. She's currently CEO and founder of Aptomine Partners, a private client advisory. Aradhana also serves as a board member and steering committee member of World Tourism Forum Luzon and chair of the advisory board of the Red Sea Project in Saudi Arabia. Aradhana has won multiple awards, including the 21st Century Icon Awards in 2017, an association with CNBC and London School of Economics as an inspirational game changer in tourism. In 2014, she was featured as one of the 50 most influential next generation leaders who will likely define the future of tourism sector by Swiss economic magazine, Bilan. Now it's time to welcome a very passionate and energetic guest, Aradhana, to our Women We Watch in Tourism podcast. Hi, Aradna. Welcome Hi, to the podcast series. And Zina and I are so excited to receive you here and to have you on our podcast. So let's begin. And we are so excited to hear you. 
Thank you for having me, Nisha and uh, Zinal. I'm very excited to be here. So ready, steady, go when you're ready. <laughs> Thank you. So Aravinda, the very first question I want to ask you is this, you know, you have been in the tourism and hospitality industry for more than two decades. And when I saw that you have traveled to more than 70 over countries. So are you waiting for the borders to open and start traveling? And if that is so, which is the first country that you want to travel to or most excited to visit when the restrictions are lifted? Uh, so um, I've worked in 75 different countries, lived in five continents, traveled to 120. And the way I put it is it's only still half the world. So I have uh, one half of the world still to discover, um, uh, which I hope to in this lifetime. Um, and yes, I have also been traveling despite the pandemic. Um, but I can't I, I can't wait now to get started again. And the first place I would go is Africa. Um, I love Africa. Uh, and I think especially with what we've seen with Omicron, um, if I think there is one continent that needs the people, uh, it's Africa. And I can't I, I can't wait to get back. OK, and I can't wait to go to Bhutan. And Zina, what about you? Same here, Bhutan, for sure. But yeah, as what Aradna said that, you know, I mean, the world is is so big that you just want to kind of cover in this lifetime. So yeah, waiting to explore more and more places. Absolutely. So I'm going to dive in straight to a very important question, Aradhana, because, you know, you are a CEO and founder of Aptamine Partners. I thought I wanted to ask you this question. Um, women are currently representing about 70% of our hospitality industry's workforce. Yet, by the end of 2020, only 17% of the business leaders at the executive level were women, and only 6% of these were CEOs. And a study by Stanford further highlighted that although women are no longer uniformly barred from the C-suite, their paths to leadership are riddled with biases, discrimination, and other obstacles. So from your experience as a CEO, as well as your experience working with other women in C-suite, can you share some of the unique challenges that women CEOs face? And you know, if you could further it, what can our industry do to recruit and retain more women CEOs as leaders? So I think the biggest challenge as a woman CEO, um, Nisha, or even otherwise, as any woman who is hoping or working towards success and happiness uh, in her life, is that at some stage in your journey, people with some kind of a power over your future will treat you with aggression or disrespect or contempt. It mm. happens to every single woman at some point. So brace for it. Men somehow don't face it. Um, and it's actually heartbreaking when you work so hard to build something you think is pretty special. Mm. And then you have to put up with people who are trying to undermine your efforts or be condescending or prejudiced or biased, right? For whatever reasons, but it happens. I mean, forget about being a woman CEO, being ignored and dealing with everyday sexism is something we are all painfully familiar to, right? as all working women. Um, think of the questions we are asked and think of the way we've learned to ask the questions. It's gendered and it's actually terrible for both men and women. I mean, I don't know if you, um, uh, Anisha or Zeno, have been in social situations when you're introducing yourself to people you've just met and you're going around a circle 
And people ask you, or they ask a man, what do you do? But somehow the question never comes to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. You know, I do something, ask me. But you're just ignored. Maybe they don't ask the women what they do because they assume that we're all stay-at-home moms or we're supporting our husbands in, in their work. Right. But even if that was to be the case, being a stay-at-home mom is doing something, right? Absolutely. I mean, why not ask about that? Um, and there is another funny situation where... Um, where people, you, you're telling people what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, they would ask you rather blatantly, what does your husband do? Right. I mean, I don't have a problem absolutely. with the question. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> My husband actually does something valuable and meaningful, but I'm genuinely curious intellectually why this happens, right? Because mm. I asked my husband and I asked a lot of other friends who are men, do you get asked what your wife does? Mm. And they say, oh, actually not really. Not even when they have spoken at length about what their work is. Mm. So, I mean, you then have to come up with a way of swimming out of this awkwardness somehow, right? I mean, I don't know why it happens to us, mm. but to be perfectly honest, I think it's not such a bad thing because one of the things that I have learned is that Actually, there is a, <laughs> there is real value and joy in being underestimated. Mm. I mean, this might shock you as a woman, uh, but I think people who doubt you, people who underestimate you, people who say you can't do something yeah. or who, who act as if you don't belong, actually, they're amazing because... I love being underestimated. There are very few things which are as deeply satisfying um, as proving those people wrong. And, and we all have this fire within us to defy stereotypes, right? Be it and gender or age or beauty related, which is why we're here and which is why we do what we do, right? So I think it's good. Now, um, to go to your question on um, what can the industry do? Hmm. Look, the good thing is that we are one of the world's as you said, most gender diverse sectors in the world where it's a one is to one representation of men to women. Mm. This also makes us unique because we have so many women in our sector that there is no visible manifestation of the problem. Absolutely. Yes. But people think there is no problem or in the worst case, there is a problem, but it's not my problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, I guess the point that I'm trying to make rather incoherently is um, if you want gender diversity, you need to ensure that it's happening by design because it's not going to happen by right. default. Mm. Uh, you need in our industry a culture of intention where we are treating gender diversity and equity as if your business survival depends on it. I'm talking board level public reporting, CDO accountability. Mm. I'm talking defining success in clear and concrete terms. I'm talking about driving accountability for promoting women into leadership roles. Mm. Um, I'm talking about holding the line on to others and not settling for acknowledgement. Then the playing field will be level. So you use this word interestingly, it has to happen by design. So when you say that, you know, who do you think should take that responsibility for the design of, you know, gender diversity and accountability? It, it has to be everybody, right? It's, um, I see it as a, a, a tripartite system where the government has a role to play. Mm -hmm. um, 
where the private sector has a role to play and we have a role to play. Hmm. So you see this in government mandates, uh, which has created lasting changes in countries like Norway or UK or um, most of Scandinavia and many other countries in the world, or even Saudi Arabia, which has actually criminalized gender pay gap. Absolutely. We need clear rules which guide and incentivizes the industry to create a roadmap to improve their diversity and inclusion, inclusion quotient over a fixed period, right? We need governments to legally enforce companies to reveal their gender pay gap, as well as introduce, you know, paternity leave or more accessible and affordable childcare. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, that's one end of the triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Then we need the private sector to highlight female role models where possible, expand boardrooms or add new roles or assign a budget to gender diversity and drive change from the very top. And then finally, the third end of the triangle, us, we need to take matters in our own hands and we need to be catalysts to translate a possibility into reality. Mm. Change and excellence happens when there is a shakeup. It doesn't happen without that. Sure. sure. And wow. I think uh, I remember reading that in, in Egypt, they have this new thing called the gender seal, which is initiated by the government you know, which looks at uh, equal representation and, uh, you know, uh, removing as much uh, discrimination in recruitment practices to, uh, you know, sexual harassment and so forth. So it is actually at the the macro level, uh, which was enforced by the government. You know, do you think something like that should happen in every country? So I have to say that I'm a fan of targets. Mm. I'm not, not a fan of necessarily quotas, but mm. here is my pushback to you, Nisha, right? Mm. How does it work in business? When one part of your business is working or not working, you look at the part which is failing, mm. you review, you mm. measure, you diagnose, you change, you find the right people to fix it. You change the targets, you process, and then you go after attack and fix it. We need the same mentality. We need the same measurement action fixing for gender, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do we as companies and at a workplace, uh, how often do we review employment practices? How often do we shortlist the bench strength? How do we, how often do we review pay inequality mm-hmm. targets? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not just about more women in the workforce. Okay. I mean, um, that's not the problem. We know that that it's not the problem already, okay. right? I mean, okay. we, uh, we we need, um, yeah, we, we need, um, I think, more than just the change in numbers. We need okay. change in associated behavior. Mm-hmm. We need a change in corporate culture to ensure true gender parity. And it's not just about bringing more girls to consider joining the sector. Mm. I think it's an even bigger battle to bring them up to leadership positions. Right, right. So, so uh, I just want to further this. You know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, we we need to see this and we need to see shifts and attitudes. You know, but at the end of the day, I think quantitative data and gender segregated data is one that can actually bring about policies and changes. And I remember in one of your opinion article uh, where you you wrote about worrying lack of diversity at the top of hospitality, travel and tourism companies, you say that it is very important that we get data collection and we disclose diversity data uh, to to drive greater diversity, you know? So, what were you trying to say in terms of measures and and monitoring by collecting data and intelligence and and who 
should drive this in terms of data collection and data sharing? Right. So let me just start by saying that we have so much work to do when it comes to gender equality, right? In Mm -hmm. fact, the direction of travel is backwards. Um, mm. I'm sure you're f- familiar with the uh, the gender equality report that uh, WEF uh, comes out with. The 2021 report is out recently, and WEF has just gone on to revise the amount of time it's going to take for us to be in a gender equal world. It used to be 99 and a half years, and mm. now it's 135 um, years. In other in other words, we have actually lost 37 um, and a half years, which is saying we've lost a generation in this process. Oh God, that's That's my point. Exactly, exactly. Um, We know that organizations with the most women at the top can actually potentially deliver higher financial performance, share performance. It it can be up to 50% higher, right? Because more gender balance means stronger innovation, stronger customer satisfaction, and stronger employee satisfaction. Hmm. Yet, we don't have change. And my point is, we will only have breakthroughs if if we have a shakeup and if we um, measure to manage. Now, let's take gender pay gap as an example, right? 82% of hospitality companies globally simply do not report it. And the ones that they do, you can actually see women are getting paid less for the same job that they do as men. Mm-hmm. Now, more women aren't in leadership because uncomfortable change and excellence, like I said, requires a bold commitment and visible action. Mm. And all of that needs data. So when I uh, did the report uh, and the research that you're referring to, Nisha, mm. I took it back to a lot of my CEOs, um, who uh, the vast majority are friends. <laughs> the vast majority are also men. <laughs> and uh, all of them said that, you know, we need data staring at our face. So I said, fine, let's fix this problem, right? Because one of the biggest problems that we have as a sector is there is a lack of gender-specific or DNI data. So here's a solution. So this is my COVID baby. It's a COVID project. Uh, and it's um, it's an independent, non-partisan, not-for-profit foundation, which mm-hmm. is called 5810. Now, 5810 right. stands for the three SDGs, SDG 5, SDG 8, and SDG 10. Mm-hmm. Now, we've had the SDGs in existence for Oh, yes, but there was never an effective way to track and measure. So what we have done is we have built the first ever digital dashboard for measuring all things diversity and in our, uh, inclusion oh. in our sector. So it's not just gender. Uh, it's also race, it's ethnicity, it's di- disability, it's uh, LGBTQ. Um, uh, so it's a whole lot of things. Oh. Now, uh, what it shows is, Data can actually lead a purpose-driven transformation in travel and tourism. Because when you're measuring, Nisha, you're not just providing the management visibility, enabling them to track progress and enabling early intervention so you can drive better results. When you're measuring, you are also, by default, benefiting by tracking the business case, right? Absolutely. So you're measuring to manage, but you're also building the business case in parallel. Absolutely. Um, So both things happen... um, yeah, happen at the same time. <laughs> wow, uh, Aradna, I'm like completely blown away with this conversation because <laughs> it looks like like a completely laid plan that you're giving everyone to kind of have that diversity and inclusion in, in businesses, whether it's government or private. Uh, 
I, I have a very interesting uh, question, Aradna, especially when it comes to, you know, mentoring and sponsoring women. All right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the recent research indicates that uh, mentorship are important for leadership success. And, and we have spoken about it quite a bit. It is also the sponsorship that makes a difference in the career advancement of women. So what, according to you, in terms of what can organizations and women leaders do to support sponsorship of women? <laughs> Did you personally have any mentors and sponsors helping you in your journey? Sure. So I, <laughs> I am really, uh, I feel very strongly about this um, point about mentors versus uh, sponsors. Uh, mm. Zina, thank you for raising it. Because I have to be honest, I don't want to hear one more time that women need to be mentored. No, mm. women do not need mentors. Women need sponsors. Mm. I want leaders who will put my name forward, back my candidature for the next board role. Raise your hand if you want to sponsor. I want no more of any words. I want action, which okay. often speaks louder than words, right? Don't tell me how good I am. I know. Mm. I- on it so men who are ready to walk the talk come forward and all others keep your hands down <laughs> because if you're only keen, <laughs> if you're only keen on giving advice or what i call free gyan then i'm not interested right. um, I had this fascinating um interview somewhere which I, um it was absolutely wonderful because it said um sponsorship really only happens if someone takes your name a hundred times in a room full of opportunities mm. right mm. You need to take a personal interest in a candidate. You need to drive awareness of that candidate and stand up and advocate for them every single time. You need to ensure her point is listened to. That is that is sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, entering is easy. Um, and yes, I have been very fortunate to have many sponsors along the way. Unfortunately, mostly men, which is a pity. Um, I don't know why that is the case, but... Um, that has been the case. Uh, and some of them have actually believed in me more than I have done in myself. And every given opportunity is dinner, I paid forward. Because I think it's very important for all of us in the tribe to be together. And I like being the kind of girl who is deeply secure and confident and empowered and who cheers for other girls and really likes other girls to win. Because when a girl wins, she wins for everyone. Absolutely. Those who came before her, Absolutely. those who came after her. I I love the way you have really, uh, you know, moved the concept of mentorship and sponsorship. It's a very, very different thought. And uh, thank you for leading this, uh, Aradna. So what, I mean, have you sponsored women in your organization or wherever you have served as a board member? I would love to know that experience for sure. All the time, um, uh, not just in um, choosing uh, very actively to hire women talent, but also in terms of pushing um, people who I work with into a crisis zone, because that's how we grow the most often. Um, uh, In most boards where I start, I'm often the first person, but that's not how it ends when I leave, um, including in uh, traditionally not the most um, not markets one would have thought of as most gender diverse. Mm-hmm. I started as being the only woman in two of the board roles that I um, have currently in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, I'm one of three in one of them. I'm one of two in the other. Uh, from a percentage uh, point of view, from 8% women on boards, one of them have moved to 37. The other one is at 24. So you have to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting, you know, um, Ardhan, because a Harvard Business Review, in fact, claimed that women tend to be over-mentored and under-sponsored. I wonder if it's because, you know, we don't have an, a clue or a good idea on what sponsorship is all about, you know. So we use the very easily understood mentorship. We go and give free advice and, and we think that we are role models. And maybe that is, um, you know, ego-stroking, maybe. What do you think? When we yes. become mentors, it becomes ego-stroking, right? Because sponsorship requires you to do the legwork. So I think uh, two parts to your question. And I, I think you're absolutely right, because for all the things that we say has changed in the world, that how far we have come, we've made so much of progress. Yes, but, yes, but all the familiar mm. problems of discrimination, violence, and unpaid labor is still very much with us, right? Mm. And for all the talk that, all the things that are changing in the world, there is persistent unfairness everywhere in the society. Right. And it happens, it happens um, to an extent because we have to make it our business. <laughs> uh, mm. Through change as sponsors or mentors, and I don't think men are being, um, uh, you know, intentional about it. You know, probably they don't realize it's ignorance. Mm. Mm. Um, but Real change will happen when we start believing what we individually do is meaningful. When we start saying, actually, it's my business to make a difference in this world because the world can be better, because people can be happier and because we all deserve that more good world. And I owe it to my children, to your children and myself to do my part. Um, And it needs a whole lot of motivation and drive, right? Which is, is, we, we know we want it. But it's tough to sustain um, and even more to instill in it others while you're not trying to nourish it um, in yourself. So, right. um, yeah. <laughs> right. So so I'm going to ask you this question, you know, um, where, where we found also that women are 54% less likely than men to have a sponsor. So can we have men as our sponsors? Do you think that's going to make a change? So, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Look, men are good at that. You know, why not get men to be our allies and get them to be our sponsors? Why not? What do you think about that? Bingo, bingo. Absolutely, Nisha, because I genuinely think it's not the men who are blocking it. They're not. And I'm mm-hmm. not here. You're not here to do male bail mash, uh, male bashing. I mean, for starters, I love men. I mean, that comes out wrong. But what I mean is <laughs> <laughs> I uh, see men as an instrumental ally in this journey and not the enemy. I have to be very honest, the vast majority of uh, CEOs I spoke to um, uh, who are men, but they are smart, culturally aware and incredibly open minded men. They agree there is a problem, right? They want a solution. But sometimes what we also learn is good intentions are simply not good enough. Um, And and if you are listening and as women leaders, can I just say that we need to stop talking only to each other? We agree already. We're already on the same page. We need to start talking to the men more. We need to build consensus for transformation, right? Mm. And also think about it. There are so many common barriers which make what I call non-obvious thinking hard, right? The first Mm. is unquestioned assumptions. Like if you're a CEO or you're a top top brass, you're male, Mm. you're married to a woman who's a homemaker or you're married without kids, right? Mm We, we need to actively encourage the non-conformists. Mm. Um, and by doing that, we will be helping 
take some weight of the traditional gender roles and the corresponding divisions and pressures because men face that pressure, guys, just as we do. We also need men stepping forward and taking the primary caregiver role. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So when we do that, we, we, we shift the change and we, and we need people to be appreciating the privilege that they have. And can I just also say, especially in the times that we live in, it might be a good idea to address the muddled masculinity right. in a lot of male leaders, right? Mm. Some men know what to do. Others don't. Should mm. they say something? Would that make them a bad person? Should they keep quiet? Would that make them a bad person, right? Most men, like most businesses, want to do better. The difference between those who have is that they've actually figured out how. We we need the men just as much as us living and breathing change. Listen, people are not evil, right? Absolutely. Behaviors yeah. originate from ignorance. Mm. If, ignorance, if yes. Ignorance, exactly. So in my opinion, a lot of, if you take all the men in the world, one third is what I would call as ignorant. One third are allies and one third are change makers. So one third we have in our kitty already, girls. That's good. Mm. Now what we need to do is move that scale. We need to take people away from ignorance and move them along the scale into allies. So eventually they become change makers. Mm. I don't have a solution, but I I can tell you that I'm a big believer in storytelling. Uh, Mm. So rather than being on the defensive as women, we we, we should set targets and if it doesn't work you know big deal we fail like no one's watching because more often than not no one will be watching <laughs> mm, absolutely yeah i think i love the way uh aradna you said it that honestly even i completely agree that men are not against women but i i always feel that it's by design like what you just started off the conversation with right it's the design is the pattern which is kind of going on for many years And that's exactly the reason why the new design of diversity has to come in, like a complete laid plan that what you have already given. So, yeah, I think men genuinely play that important role when it comes to women growth. Absolutely. And, you know, Zina, it's... um... Which is why what you're doing, I think, is absolutely wonderful. Uh, You and Nisha and um, Catherine and Prachi, all of you, because... I find it fascinating that each one of us have very interesting stories, personal stories, right? And finding the story behind and the way you're sharing it with your group of leaders, members and brands and sharing it openly, this is what is going to help you connect with a wide audience. And that is men and women. So kudos to you. Let's also try talk some bit on, uh, you know, the work-life balance. Uh, COVID has been hard, uh, Aradna, majorly for women. I mean, that's what uh, is a lot of reports saying. So mothers are spending more time in the labor force than in the past, but also more time on childcare. Women are actually constantly juggling their commitments and responsibility, both personally and professionally, which is definitely making work-life balance difficult. So you are a CEO of your company. You have an active portfolio of board roles as well. Uh, so are you able to experience a work-life balance or do you think that is that it is an illusion? Is it possible for women to have that life integration instead where we can create synergies between work and life? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't. 
I don't, seriously. Because when it comes to work and family balance, um, it's horses for courses, right? Everyone has to have their own recipe and their own secret ingredient. Now, uh, in my case, I'm a the firm believer in mixing the two to achieve what I call is a work-life blend. Uh, you know, it's a work-life incorporation. It's a work-life integration. It's not a work-life balance. Now, it's not to say that, look, as someone who travels extensively, do I regret missing out on my um, family? Of course I do. As mothers, the worst enemy you meet always lies inside of you, right? And as a working mother to two young children who travels extensively, I have suffered from what I call is mommy guilt all my life. And sometimes it's on steroids. I'm constantly, it's in, it's in a state of debate. Uh, am I shortchanging my life and um, my kids' um, kids' future for my career? Um, it, it's a bit like a nonstop clash of the titans. I'm playing the judge and the jury, the plaintiff, the accuser, and there's a raging in the dialogue, which is conflicting with my original decision, regardless of its good intention. Uh, I have to share this story. At some point, my son, who's uh, older now, but when he was three, he thought his mother was a cabin crew uh, because, <laughs> because I only went to work in a plane. My suitcase was always packed and I was only home over the weekends. So, But then again, you see in many ways, and my older one, um, it, it's funny, he used to say, oh, mommy, you're going to work. Oh, are you taking the Uber? Or are you taking um, the, the plane? It's not like I have a private jet parked in my, <laughs> in my garden. Uh, well, not just yet, at least. Uh, but you see... Um, in many ways, I think my professional success has been because of a supportive and engaged family. And equally, in my case, it's because I have a fulfilled professional career that I can actually be a good person, a good mother, good wife, good daughter, good sister, good everything, right? I need the two together. I don't understand this have your cake and eat it quote. <laughs> you know, um, why should I choose? I want to have it all. So you can and you should go for it all. And it's not saying that you can have it all necessarily at the same time and certainly not without some bumps along the way, but you can have it all. So compromise if you must, because by definition, compromise comes with an end date um, and it's temporary. But don't sacrifice anything, because when you sacrifice, it's not good for you and it's not good for the thing or person you're sacrificing for. And if there's anyone listening in, young girls um, who are someone like me or aspiring someone like me or aspiring to be someone like me, constantly juggling aspirations, priorities and responsibilities, and more often than not, feeling less than adequate in the process, my advice to you is please find your way, go in with your eyes wide open and get all the help you can. We are not able to achieve success without help along the way, girls. So go for it. That's that's so very well said, uh, Aradna. I think it's more about building that ecosystem also for yourself, right? Along with what you want to do and what you want to kind of achieve both personally and professionally. So I think it's an ecosystem blend as what you said that it's work-life blend and, uh, uh, you know, and that's that's how it should be. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Aradna, if let's say you were to go back in time uh, to your younger self, you know, would you do the same thing again or would it be any different? And what would you advise your younger self? Uh, no, I will have no regrets. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> uh, I would just tell my younger self, um, remember the why of what you're doing. 
mm. um, uh, which is, um, you know, uh, which is what I said. Um, and that's how I motivate myself by truly believing what I do is actually meaningful. And it is my business to make a difference in the world. Mm. Um, and I would tell the young girls, uh, which is what I was at some point, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, be humble because humility goes a long way in this world. Be humble and, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Be mm-hmm. hungry and don't settle or compromise. Look for the next thing, the next mm-hmm. challenge, new places, new experience. Be smart. Don't 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 stop learning. Don't stop growing. It's okay to try and fail uh, because that's probably still better than not trying. Um, and don't wait. I mean, you're ready now. I don't understand when people say, oh, you will be ready in time. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Don't listen to anyone who tells you that you cannot travel your path and that you can't do it now. Mm-hmm. And finally, and I think this is important, um, if you choose to partner up, choose wisely because who you marry or who you choose to partner with is probably the single most important career decision you make. We all talk about professional decisions. Look, guys, personal decisions are just as important. Find a feminist if you can help it, if possible. Otherwise, at least find a person who wants an equal relationship. Guys who want to support your career, the ones who will support and encourage your achievements and not be scared or intimidated or put off by it. Mm. So date widely, but marry wisely. A very supportive man or no Mm. man. (laughs) Right. So it is, I think you are saying that men here as spouses or partners become our allies in our progression and growth, would you say? For you personally? 100%. Mm. Interestingly, it is totally. So, Arana, this is my uh, question to you. And I think I really want to know this with, because, you know, the energy that you come with. What is more important to you, competence or confidence? Um, so, uh, this is a tricky one, right? Um, <laughs> uh, can I split this in two parts? And can I just say? Yes, please. That, um, in men, I think, confidence and charisma is often overrated. What we need more is competence and integrity. Look, in the world that we live in today, I think we desperately need leaders who are smart, rational, ethical, and empathetic. Spot on. We need a calm, rational style of leadership, right? If they have charisma on top, that's like a cherry on top. That's a bonus. Wonderful. I think we have too many of these Machiavellian alpha type strong men with this kind of machismo. I mean, it's some false bravado and blind ambition. I mean, if you ask me, they're all swaggering populists. But the second part, can I also say that we as women are champions and doubting ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Even when we have all the competence we need. And women tend to seek approval. Mm. Really, it's not, it's not, it's uh, it's your job to love yourself. It's not your bosses. It's not your teams. And if you love yourself, everything else will fall into place. So I would say we as women need more confidence. We need to be kind to ourselves and we need to play to our strengths. You are enough as you are. My job is not to be better than anyone else. I only want to be better than what I was yesterday. So I think we need more competence in men and we need more confidence in women. When uh, women lack that confidence and if they do not get the approval, very often they tend to become intentionally invisible. And then it becomes a double bind. True, absolutely. We do ourselves complete disservice, completely agree. Our 
Martin, there's a question I want to, to move on after this, you know, I mean, I'm listening to you and you're so full of inspiration and I'm sure, you know, you're, in your journey, you have uplifted so many women as a sponsor and as a mentor. So we have you know, desire to have you here on this podcast, because I think many women will be so inspired, just just the voice, your voice, you know, and the passion with which you speak. But can you share with us, you know, is there one woman that you watch and get inspired by? <laughs> um, oh, oh, oh boy, there's so many <laughs> pleasant, so many really uh, political corporate leaders, change makers in society. Um, um, so many, uh, from Angela Merkel to Michelle Obama, Maggie Thatcher, Julia Gillard, Indra Nui, um, I, I, to a young girl who's uh, a woman of courage and who has something authentic to say. Um, so I think far too many. Um, um, I'm reading the book, um, the, the book I'm currently reading is, um, I think, fascinating. Um, it's about Cleopatra. Uh-huh. Uh, by Stacey Schiff. I think it's one of Blitzer. Um, and I uh, was quite, uh, uh, we, we all think Cleopatra, or at least I thought of differently. But the fact is in 2000 years, only one or two other women uh, have wielded the same unrestricted authority over so vast a realm as Cleopatra. Mm. She was uh, nearly all alone at an all-male table. She was a force of personality, had mm. irresistible charm, beauty, intelligence, will, her ability to not just speak multiple languages, but a language which could turn people to her will. She was mm. an ingenious negotiator, a great political genius with an unfailing strategic sense. Um, um, so if you ask me tomorrow, you'll get a different answer. so so what is that one quality if I were to ask you that in women that really you think makes them so attractive I think authenticity be yourself right Mm. um and love yourself Mm. I think a woman who um who um who is not afraid of uh, who who doesn't go looking for trouble, but is not afraid of it. Someone who is <laughs> uh, someone who is um, sure. Someone who is yeah, and someone who doesn't give up. Yeah. Beautifully said. So very true. Absolutely, I think uh, that is bang on of never giving up and believing in yourself. Mm. That's what women need. Passion. I think you need passion. Mm. And we see that in you and your voice. <laughs> Absolutely. Aradna, we have so many takeaways, uh, you know, from this entire conversation. I'm sure this entire conversation is going to be very, very inspiring for all the listeners. But if you have to give one takeaway, uh, you know, you want listeners to take it from this entire episode or your experience, what would that be? Mm. So I just want to say that equality is a very dangerous concept. Mm. Um, And the fact is the attention span of even well-intentioned people like us is frighteningly short. We're all guilty of this, right? Men, women, or however you identify as. And the recent events that we've had in the last two years has exposed how people who are different to us, color, race, culture, language, gender, they're all strangers to us. And my point is you can't have a quest for equality when people are strangers to each other. So open your hearts, 
open your minds. Do you remember how we as a sector came together and we fought the battle against trafficking, human trafficking? Mm. Uh, if you remember, there was every hotel chain, airline. Uh, we all came together to fight that war. It didn't matter what your brand was. Uh, all that mattered was we were against human trafficking as one industry, one voice. We need the same can't fail mentality to tackle the gender diversity crisis. Mm. And as individuals, don't underestimate your own power to make things better. Mm. You know, we we are all giants to someone. Start there. And we need each one of us to become activists. Today, be ferocious advocates for not only your own sake or for the sake of your company, but for the sake of every girl and every woman you know. Mm. Mm. Wow. I think that's really such a powerful, you know, um, powerful statements that you have made, you know, that everyone should be an activist in their own right. You know, and I think we can make ripples just by doing what we can within our own spheres, isn't it, Arlena? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you might say that no one person can make a difference, but then think about it. No difference can be made without at least one person making the choice to make a difference. Absolutely. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. You know, and Arlena, I really, really, Zinil and I, we appreciate uh, things. You were so um, obliging. You were so happy to come on board and be part of our podcast, you know, and we really thank you for that. And I think, you know, as, as even any women who is listening in, when they come and knock your doors, you will be so willing to support the tribe of women. So how can women reach out to you? Oh, I would actively encourage everyone to do that. Please find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is um, aptomind.com. Send me an email. Um, uh, just ping me um, and reach out. I would I would dearly love to connect and help uh, guide uh, anyone to the best of my ability anytime. Thank you so much. You're so really so generous, you know, and I just loved your energy. I just loved your passion. I mean, sometimes I'm just listening to you and I've got my goosebumps coming up. So, you know, what do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm completely blown away uh, with this entire conversation, uh, Aradna. And I must say that it is not only about, you know, the stereotype conversation, which is already happening when it comes to diversity and uh, inclusion, but it is also about, you know, opening new doors the new way of looking at it, the new way of creating the design. And thank you so much for, uh, you know, doing this with us. I mean, it's a complete pleasure and already bold over this conversation. So thank you for joining us, Aradna. It is my pleasure entirely. It's been a fun conversation. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to see you all in the new year. Absolutely. We can't wait to see you and perhaps in another new platform that all of us should meet again and exchange and share. So thank you from this part of the world. And we are so interestingly from three different countries saying goodbye. Thank you very much and have a lovely day, Aradhana. Thank you, Nisha. Thank you. Thank you, Zinal. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Aradhana. Bye. Bye. Wow. Zinal and I are absolutely blown away by Aradhana's energy, passion and wisdom. We hope to see more women sponsors like Aradhana paving the way and creating the invaluable opportunities for fellow women. And thank you listeners for tuning in all the way through. We appreciate you and your unrelenting support. 
We hope that you had some valuable takeaways and insights from this episode and apply it in one way or another in your business and careers. If you love this episode, we love to hear from you to subscribe, rate, and give us your comments and reviews. Please drop us an email at womenwewatchtourism at gmail.com or you can follow us on LinkedIn, Insta, as well as all other major podcast platforms. Don't forget to join us in the next episode where we engage with another dynamic female entrepreneur who is going to share on being bold and courageous in a family business. Until next time, this is Nisha and Zeno signing off. Take care.